the huddle and going the length of the field to set the stage for this weekend in the FCS, it's footballgameplan.com's FCS opening drive with Luke Diamond and Emery Hunt. Presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Good morning, FCS fans. What is going on? It's 10 a.m. and we are at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, broadcasting live. My name is Luke Diamond, and I'm with our analyst, the Czar from the playbook at uh, footballgameplan.com, Embry Hunt. Embry, what's going on, my man? What's going on, man? I appreciate you having me on. And it's the Czar of the playbook, man. You got to get that right. Czar of the playbook. I was struggling looking at it. No offense to your handwriting, but I thought it was a C. <laughs> I thought it was C-A-R. I was like, the car czar, the czar. And I'm battling with dyslexia. So see, the whole big thing going on, but the czar. Z-A-R. Czar? Czar. I like that. See, I see this is going to be a bad relationship already. Man. Yeah, it's our, it's our first show. Right. No practice. First like show. Alan Iverson, we just pop on. We're jumping into a show. <laughs> I don't I don't even, honestly, I'm going to be honest with the viewers. I know I got some friends listening mm-hmm. that play FCS football. I don't know anything about the FCS. I got a couple friends, but I'm new to the FCS. Um, I'm excited. I know you know what's going on. Uh, so we got our, em- our analyst, Embry Hunt, with us. And uh, we're going through the All-American list. We're going uh, down the All-American list. You put it together yourself? Well, our football game plan staff did. We, you know, we went through all different teams of the FCS, all the different conferences. And, you know, there's a ton of guys that, that are super talented, guys that are supremely talented. And it was tough to whittle down this list to 84 athletes. I wish we could have added a fourth team. But we, we went through, we put together a great list. And, you know, it's, I'm excited about uh, talking about these guys because having watched Having watched every one of these guys play, it's very impressive to see these guys make this list. That is. An 84 athlete, that's a lot of athletes. Like you said, you wish you could have added a fourth team, kept it a three. First team, second team, third team, All-Americans. And there's, of course, just the, uh, just the preseason prediction list. So, obviously, guys not on it now. Might be on it in December, January when the season's over. So, this is just a preview list of what we got coming up for the 2016 FCF season. Well, that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of times you get uh, guys reaching out to you and saying, well, you forgot about this player or you forgot about that player. And really it's about, you know, wh- where you are now. Like you said, it's yeah. preseason. Guys, you can't put everybody on the list. It's almost like when you do um, – you know, when you're talking about draft prospects, a lot of times the guys say, well, you forgot about this prospect, you forgot about that prospect. Well, number one, we didn't want to make this video uh, – two days long you know and so we we can't put everybody in there and there's a lot of good football players but if you are on this list you definitely earned your spot exactly you take what they did last year and of course there's gonna be breakout guys there's gonna be guys that unexpectedly popped onto the scene this year you're gonna see freshmen that you didn't see last year you see red shirts and stuff like that but uh as far as this list goes i'm excited about it 84 athletes uh cracking Embry's football game plans all american list first second third team we're gonna go through it uh, so, Andrew, what went into making your All-American list for the 2016 preseason All-Americans? Well, number one, you have to – and this is the difference because when you look at All-American teams, some some guys try to mesh them with the NFL draft prospects. But these are two different things because you may be an All-American, but you may not be a pro prospect. So, number one, you have to have just overall production. You know, obviously, obviously you want to take the guy that has the number one – um, that's statistically number one in all categories. You want that guy to be there. You want to reward guys for being productive uh, college football players. You also want to take guys that, you know, some guys have stepped in under fire, not started the whole season, but came in and performed well. Those are guys that you also want to reward. Uh, maybe not first team, but also second and third team. And when you're looking at the depth of this list, I mean, just by the sheer uh, numbers, I mean, Say, for instance, the running back position, and you have to have certain levels of benchmarks. But when you look at the running backs with a, a lot of guys rushing for over 1,000 yards, you can't, you, you can't have like 10 – you can't go 10 deep at the running back position. So you have to find out which guy is better suited. Maybe you, you look at the fourth best rusher, let's say leading rusher, and you may rate him higher than the guy that finished third. But a lot of factors go into play, offensive structure, uh, impactful plays – um, when you see a guy that when you look at certain players on the field, whether it's, you know, football or basketball or baseball and the, the standouts stand out, um, the playmakers, you, you want those guys to be uh, rewarded. So, yes, you may have a thousand yards, but you may have averaged three point nine yards a carry. Yeah. But if you have a thousand yards and you average 
five yards a carry. To me, that's more impressive, and that's worthy of being on this list. Exactly. And so much stuff goes into it. You have offensive line, you have quarterback play, you have system style, and all these different things. Um, I, when I look at running backs, I take blocking into consideration. So I take a lot of different stuff into consideration when I look at running backs. When I look at different position groupings, you have to take all that stuff into consideration, uh, with, which you did. And it's already about 10.05. We're going with you guys up until the 11 o'clock hour. Also taking calls throughout the program, 609-910-0687 is the number to call. You want to call up and talk with Embry Hunt and myself, Luke Diamond, right here on MTR Radio, 609 609- 9100687 to jump right in to uh, arguably the most uh, most important spot not only, not only on the football field but uh, across all sports probably the quarterback position they say you can't win without the quarterback let's start off with the quarterback in the FCS who do you have for your first second and third team quarterbacks in the 2016 season well first of all you start off with Case Cookers and, and this is a guy out of northern Arizona and when you look at what he did for the Lumberjacks he was a true freshman came in and you could tell the coaches were like, okay, well, we're not going to give him too much. We're not going to give him a lot early on, but they came out impressively throwing the football. And as the season progressed, they added more responsibilities to his, to his menu. And this was a guy that came out and put together a phenomenal uh, freshman year. So, so much so to where when you look at Northern Arizona this year, and we'll talk about this down the line, let's say this next week in our Big Sky Conference preview, but – you have to take Northern Arizona very seriously because Case Cook is at 6'4", 200 pounds, um, just a monster of, of, of statistical prowess, throwing things out there. And um, when you look at his ability to make decisions each and everywhere on the football field, you have to be impressed. And to go in as a true freshman, and I think that's the most important thing. It, people don't get – it's so hard for – for a college football player to get playing time on the field because it's you know you have to know your assignments you have to know basically what everyone else is doing you have to be in tune to the game and to do it as a true freshman is even harder and to go out there especially at that position and excel like he did I mean you you have he he was to me he was a no-brainer slam dunk first team all-american it's funny you say that because I've actually seen a couple lists with Eli Jenkins as the number one first-team uh, prospect or first-team uh, prediction to be the first-team All-American across the FCS with his, I, th- I believe it was 36 touchdowns, mm-hmm. dual-threat quarterback, nice athlete at the quarterback position at 6'2", 200 pounds. What do you like about Eli Jenkins this season? Well, you look at Jenkins and you look at last year when, when um, Jacksonville State, this was a team that we said in a preseason was like, hey, keep an eye on Jacksonville State. The Gamecocks do a lot of great things. They, they have a ton of talent, especially on the defensive side of football. They had a really good running back, and Eli Jenkins was a big part of that at quarterback. And they nearly – they should have beaten Auburn – uh, in week one, they had Auburn on the brink. They actually went to overtime and uh, lost that game. But they could have beaten Auburn. They didn't lose a game the rest of the season getting into the FCS championship game before losing to North Dakota State. And when you have a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes with the football, that does a great job in getting everyone else their touches, their reps, and keeping everyone in tune. Because, it's one, it's hard to win a football game, and it's also hard to be successful and sustain success. And he did that over the course of a season, knowing that teams were going to try to gear him down to make him throw the football because he's a, a great runner. And he was able to excel at both, which is why he was – again, you can't argue with Jenkins on this list over Cookus, but these are two outstanding quarterbacks. And you got the pocket passer. You got the pro-style pocket passer. You have the dual-threat quarterback. Um, one thing about Jenkins, like you said, uh, you said takes care of the football. And for these dual-threat quarterbacks, usually a lot of times – Taking care of the football and reckless play is what gets them in trouble, especially down the road when you're going up against teams, like you said, like when you go out of conference or out of league in this situation and you go and you play a team like Auburn, taking care of the football, obviously so important. When you get to the next level, obviously taking care of the football, uh, extremely important. When we're going to third team, uh, all FCS. Yeah, Peter Bajals is a guy at a holy cross. And, and here's a player that, that when you looked at him last year, you probably thought, you know what, they, they need help at quarterback. But I was at the Albany game this past season, and the light just came on for him. And he he just played great football. They had a really good receiver at the time, Khalif Raymond, who's now with the Denver Broncos. But when you look at Pajals and what he was able to do, he put together a phenomenal season. I mean, he had Holy Cross on the brink of getting into the FCS playoffs because they would have won the Patriot League. And that was a very tough league last year. Came down to the wire, um, you know, Colgate, Fordham, those are your, your usual suspects. Holy Cross had a say uh, late. Bucknell was pretty good. 
But when you look at Puyols and what he can bring to the table now, their offensive line last year were all juniors. All five starters returned, and he put up some tremendous numbers. So now you have all five starters back. They're seniors. Puyols is a guy that can come in now. He has that confidence. He played well all last year. Built on that success in the offseason, he had a really good spring. And Holy Cross is one of those teams you want to watch out for. So I think he's going to do even better this season and may even move up later on in the year, probably a second team, maybe even first team. Incredible stuff when you return that many guys. Uh, moving on now uh, to the QBs that missed the cut. What quarterbacks missed the cut could be on the list when the final uh, All-American list comes out this uh, December? Well, when you look at a guy out in Montana and Brady Gustafson, the the big game last year, the the showcase game versus Montana, I mean versus North Dakota State last year, in which they upset the Bison. It, it was impressive to see a guy at six seven two forty five just fling the football all over the field. Now you was hoping that he was able to continue the success moving forward throughout the rest of the season, but he had some injuries and missed a a, a good bit of games. So he's a guy, if healthy probably is going to be on this list because in Bob Stitt's offense, he's going to put up some outstanding numbers. So he's one of those guys we're probably going to talk about a little bit more in detail later on in the show uh, with the NFL draft. Uh, but when you look at his game, I mean, it, it's impressive. And when you have the confidence that you can make any throw on the field, it doesn't matter where, you're excited about his his uh, chances of putting up numbers and being an outstanding player later on on our postseason All-American team. Awesome stuff. Overall state of the QB position right now. You know, a lot of people talk about quarterbacks and they, they want to say, um, you, you hear it at the NFL level when teams, when people say, well, it's just, you know, uh, it, it's a shortage of good quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and I just think that's foolish because, you know, probably gone are the days where guys are these statues in the pocket remember back in the day a lot it seemed like every quarterback was 6'4 6'5 230 pounds and I don't even know if those guys are playing football now you know these guys are probably playing baseball they're probably sticking with basketball um so now the quarterbacks I think collectively have gotten a little bit shorter so let's say between 5'10 to maybe um 6'3 is what you find a lot more of and guys are just out here just uh playing ball and they're a little bit more athletic because maybe some guys that only play baseball or only play basketball are also now playing football at that position. Let's say somebody like Allen Iverson. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was a, a tremendous high school quarterback and then stuck with basketball. Great choice by him. But think about that guy now playing quarterback. He's probably going to stay at quarterback and have success in college. So I think if people switch their scope, they're still going to see the same great quarterback play. Right now, it's just not the same type of uh, what we're used to seeing, you know, growing up those those six five, six four quarterbacks, two hundred thirty pound statues in the pocket. Guys are a little bit more athletic now. Guys are a little bit more mobile, and more guys, quite honestly, are just playing the quarterback position. And the, but the guys who do separate themselves at the NFL level are those six four, two thirty guys that also now have the athleticism. Aaron Rodgers around that side, a little bit more than that, but has the athleticism, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, obviously, maybe the greatest athlete to ever play the quarterback position at that size, uh, opposed to like a Michael Vick, more athletic, but a little bit smaller, of course. But uh, exactly right, uh, especially at the college level with all these dual-threat quarterbacks. Because it's almost like right now in college, in the pros, I still want the, the pro-style pocket pass a quarterback who can stand in there, take a hit. A little mobile, I don't want him like Peyton Manning standing in there like his shoes are glued to the uh, turf. But... <laughs> You know what I'm saying. And, right. uh, but in college, you do see that. You see guys like Watson right now and, and guys like that who do. And you look at I mean, you look at uh, Ohio State two years ago. They had three guys that were all able to rotate in. They would have won a national championship with three different quarterbacks on their roster. All three guys, ranging in size, had that athleticism, ability to get out of the pocket, ability to make the big throw if need be. So uh, right there with you. And you, you, don't want, you don't want guys, and it's all about having the advantage. See, back in the day, you, you had – the offense always had the advantage, you know, because the quarterback didn't move. And so as you start to see guys like Michael Vick get that opportunity to transition into being a mobile guy, you're starting to see guys, like you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers can, can get out the pocket. Even when you look at Drew Brees back at Purdue, he was able to get outside the pocket and extend plays with his legs. And those type of quarterbacks, they now make it an 11-on-11 game. And it throws off the defense because the defense had the advantage because of the, uh, the free safety. But now your safety – has to account for the quarterback that can move, and that's going to be a problem. So anytime you have a mobile quarterback or a guy can, that can at least get out the way, 
he's going to be an advantage and gives the, it tilts the scale back to the offense. So now defensive players are getting more um, athletic and getting faster. So and I, I know uh, we probably pushed up against the break, but when you look up, when you look at guys like uh, Von Miller or let's say a Derek Johnson that plays for the Chiefs. We were, we were talking about this off air that there's a bunch of guys that we've seen before just it, what happened to all the big backs, you know, like Bam Morris, six feet, 235. <laughs> what happened to the Jerome Bettises, the Ryan Danes, 5'11", 5'10", 250, 260. Those guys that are big and now can move are now probably playing linebacker. Yeah, you they, know? they probably are. And you see, you see especially around here, um, I don't know what – I know you're, you're from the Louisiana area, mm-hmm. but around here – you see a lot of two-way high school players. Most guys, um, even the top-tier players like the Jabril's that do come out of the air, Brian Cushion, these guys all play two ways in high school, right. and then they make the decision at the next level. So you see guys make the decision. You see Cushing, he decided to go defense when he made it to the next level at USC. He was a tight end. He was, a, he was maybe the best tight end in the country at the time in high school. You saw Jabril. He could have been the best. Pretty, him right there with Forte, he probably could have been the best running back at the next level. He decided... I'm gonna I'm gonna make the move to defense. Play a little bit of offense. You play a little free saves, a little nickel. So you see guys making that decision where guys are choosing defense, longer career stuff like that. Where a couple of years ago those guys might have been choosing the offensive side of the ball. So it is very interesting. We, like you said, we do have to catch a break. We are gonna do running backs then break. We'll do break then running backs because we are up to 10:17. So take a quick break, then come back. Also taking telephone calls 609-910-0687 609-910-0687. Nine one zero zero six eight ten. We'll be back right after this on the opening drive on MTR Radio. Live play by play. Your calls, our opinions. MTR Sports. Yo, have you ever had a dream of becoming a radio or TV personality? Guess what? What is he? What is he? What is he? What is he? That could happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you get there. They're the oldest and largest group of communication schools in the country. In the country, I'll tell you. You learn by doing hands-on training here. None of that textbook drama. You learn from professional broadcasters and, hey... They have job placement assistance for grads, too. Take it from me and a few other people. We're all CSB grads. I finished the CSB program in March. Now I'm working at a news radio station in northern New Jersey. Hi, I'm Bobby O'Hara, and I attended CSB back in 2013. I'm currently working for MLB.com in New York City. If it wasn't for my experience here at CSB, I wouldn't be able to be where I'm at today. If you do decide to come to our school, you will get trained in months here, not years. And hey, another cool thing is there's also scholarship programs available. So don't just sit there. Call one 800 TV radio and make those dreams a reality with Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Yo, Izzy, thanks for telling us that, man. Now we're going to call and get our career started in broadcasting. No problem, guys. You're welcome. And we're back here, 1018 on June the 17th. Luke Diamond with Embry Hunt, the czar of the playbook. I almost said of the game plan, of the playbook. <laughs> Embry Hunt, the czar of the playbook. Awesome nickname. Awesome, like catchphrase thing you got going on well, there. Well, you got you got you got to prioritize, you got to you got to maximize your marketing opportunities, you know. You did a good I got job another that. nickname, <laughs> but I can't use that on there, you know. So, right, I, so I we'll can't, stick to the we'll stick to the Zara playbook. <laughs> I need a nickname or some type of line or some type of the something of something, but I like that. And if you want to follow Embry Hunt, you can follow him at on Twitter at FB F football F ball F ball game plan. Um having trouble reading this. <laughs> FB a-L-L, game plan. If you want to follow uh, his uh, his show, at the FCS kickoff. And if you want to follow this show, at FCS opening drive. If you want to follow my Twitter, not sure exactly what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's at huddle underscore radio. I'm not sure. So You're not sure about <laughs> your Twitter, man. You, you're eliminating your marketing opportunity. Number one. It sucks. We, we got to get you a nickname, number one. I definitely need a nickname. We, we, you definitely need a nickname. And we also got to get you a, a, a we got to update your, your Twitter handle. Well, the problem with my Twitter handle is I never tweet myself. So it's like, <laughs> like I don't know other people. How am I supposed to know mine if I've never tweeted myself before? It's like cell phone numbers, right? A lot of people don't know their own number. I know. It's crazy. I'll be like, what's your number? And they'll be like, I don't know. Like, Give me yours. <laughs> and then I'll text you my name. And I was like. <laughs> Like, or sometimes they won't want to admit they don't know it, and they'll right. be like, no, nah, it's all right. Just, just I'll, I'll text you my name. I was like, you clearly don't know your number. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Moving on to the running back position, uh, starting off with the first teamer, uh, Chase Emmons, who you like uh, from, where is he from, Fordham? Fordham, right across the bridge in, in the yeah, Bronx. Pretty close. Pretty close. And, and when you look at Edmonds' game, 
Um, he won the Walter Payton. I'm sorry, not the Walter Payton Award. He should have won the Walter Payton Award, but he won the Jerry Rice Award, uh, which is given to the top freshman in the FCS. And he burst onto the scene with an outstanding freshman season, back-to-back 1,900-yard seasons. He's a junior now. Um, I think, quite honestly, if you if we're being completely honest, the Walter Payton Award is given to the top player overall in the FCS. It's like the FCS versions of the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, John Robertson won it. Uh, Cooper Cup won it, who's also on our list. But when you look at Edmonds, I think he can get some Heisman Trophy votes. Uh, one, we're based out of right here in the New York City area. That so helps. <laughs> that helps. He, you know, I mean, he plays at a school that has a lot of tradition in Fordham. You know, Vince Lombardi and all those guys, the seven blocks of granite. Um, they play great football out there in the Bronx. Uh, and when you look at his his game, he's a shifty guy. He has that wiggle. He has a breakaway speed. He lit up Army uh, last year for over 150 yards, 120-something yards. Also had, like, uh, a 60-something yard reception. Um, and I was at that game, and it, that was the one thing Army Army couldn't stop two guys. And one guy we'll talk about later. They couldn't stop the tight end. Um, the quarterback, Kevin Anderson, had an outstanding day as well. Um, but they couldn't stop Edmonds, and Edmonds was the one that, that really helped them knock off Army in an upset. And he was a, he was like the no-brainer. He's a two-time football game plan All-American because he puts, it, he puts it out on the field. He's been a tremendous player. Awesome. Staying with the first team. Yeah, you, you, you got Kate Harrington out of Lamar. And the one thing about Harrington, and, and I'm glad we're here and we have an outlet to talk about it because – when you watch him play, you see a guy that has speed, he has elusiveness, he has the power, you know, he has the ability to catch the football at the backfield, he can block, you know, and people will people will knock him for two reasons. Number one, they'll look at his size and say, oh, well, he's 5'8", 185, he may not be as big as you would like, but he led the nation in rushing last year uh, with over 2,000 yards, so you can't knock his, in a very tough conference, you know, the Southland Conference by some considerations, is probably the tougher conference in top to bottom in the uh, FCS. I know the Big Sky is, is very tough. The CAA is also tough. But people talk about the Southland as the SEC of the FCS. But they'll knock Harrington again because he's also a white running back. And we know how that, that happens. Like, they'll look at him and say, oh, either slot receiver or fullback. <laughs> you know, but the guy it's can true. flat out ball. And it's unfortunate because uh, when you look at him play – and. Again, he went over 2,000 yards last year, and everyone in the country in the stadium knew they were going to run the football, and he still couldn't stop them. And this year again, they know they're going to run the football, and he still won't be able to stop them. So Harrington will probably be a postseason All-American because of what he did last year. And funny, both guys in the first team a little bit smaller, and as we go down the list, second team a little bit bigger, third team seemed to be the biggest. As Now we get into the second team All-Americans for the preseason FCS ranks. Well, you look at the second-team players, and you see Tariq Cohen. And everybody that that watches college football saw the opening bowl game last year uh, in the Celebration Bowl, which was the inaugural Celebration Bowl, which pits the SWAC champion, which at the which last year was Alcorn State, um, and the MEAC champ, which was North Carolina A&T. And they saw this guy rush for, you know, damn near 300 yards on the ground. I think he had 295 mm-hmm. or something like that. And when you watch him play, he's another guy. He's shorter. He's 5'6", about 190 with explosive speed. He ripped off about three 50-plus yard runs. Um, and Alcorn State had no answer for him. And so, and he was a guy that had the, the, the viral fame, doing the backflips, catching the football. I think he was one of the first ones to do that. Backflips after, after he scores? No, no. The, the oh. back, uh, on, he was, they were filming at a practice, and he did the backflip and also caught the football. Oh, that's terrific. I've seen that. That's a couple him. guys done it since. Yeah, a couple guys done it since. I thought you were talking about celebrations in the end zone when they do the when backflip. Back, nah. Someone was like, "Like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> right? Like, what do you do? You're gonna break your neck, you're or gonna, you're gonna break gonna, your ankle, you know, or ankle, or anything. You're gonna <laughs> you're canceling out your NFL dreams right there. I mean, it's crazy. So this this is a guy that had uh, he was a viral sensation. So naturally, when you're a viral sensation, everybody then looks at you sideways and like, okay, well, he probably can't play. But when you put on a film, you see this guy just tearing up defenses. Doesn't matter if it's in the the uh, the MEAC against a SWAC opponent. He tore up Elon, which is a CAA opponent, and also gave North Carolina fits. Um, and they play in the ACC. So in that bowl game, he almost rushed for 300 yards. He's going to be a pro player. Um, and you can't. He's like Darren Sproles, where you can't ignore his size because he's faster than everybody on the field. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's a lot of the backs on this list up to this point. They all seem to be guys in the 180 to 190 range. They all seem to be quick, shifty guys, uh, including our next guy, also only 180, Corey Avery. Uh, Avery plays in a, a very explosive offense down at Sam Houston State. And again, when you're talking about FCS powerhouses, you always got to mention Sam Houston State, the Bearcats, uh, because they run that spread, that spread offense, that spread option attack. And it's just impressive to watch these guys get out there consistently, knowing what's happening, knowing how they confuse defenses. And, and I hate to say he's a, he's a product of the system because you have to be good within that system and because they've had some tremendous tailbacks in their history. But when you look at a guy like Avery being able to be consistent week in, week out, it's very impressive. Yeah, and I never took that as an insult. Like when people say a guy's a product of a system, mm -hmm. to me, he fits the system as he's doing work. <laughs> if he's winning championship, if he's getting accolades like being on the FCS uh, football game plans All-American list, you know, so be it. I think Steph Curry's somewhat of a product of Golden State system. The guy's a two-time MVP. On Sunday, he might be a two-time champ. So I don't think it's always necessarily an insult. You get better by the players around you. Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, are these guys products of Peyton Manning? Maybe a little bit. Is Manning a product of them a little bit? But at the end of the day, all three guys are going to be sitting in the Hall of Fame one day. All three guys were part of the 07 uh, Super Bowl winning championship team. So at the end of the day, I think it all... It'll all come full you circle. You have to be good in the system. Yeah, you, you just can't. Exactly. You can be trash in the system. Imagine if Steph Curry <laughs> didn't be. hit shots. Yeah, <laughs> if Steph Curry shot 10%, then he, he wouldn't right, be a 2 exactly. MVP. The guy with the last two seasons shot 47% from downtown. So it's, all, you know, it's a whole other ball game. Yes, you're benefiting from the guys around you. But, I mean, you could say that about anybody. You could say right. Michael Jordan benefited from Scottie Pippen and benefited from, uh, from, uh, from Rodman. But, you know. I never, because uh, people always say, be, uh, you know, a beneficiary of the system, a beneficiary of their quarterback, a beneficiary of their offensive line. You know, they, they made them look good. I make you good look good. You make me look good. So I never really took, uh, you know, took that as, as too much of an insult. Moving on to the third team, biggest back on the list at 200 pounds, Kendall Anderson. And Anderson stepped in. He's one of those guys. Who, and when people talk about William and Mary, they talk about the, the offensive line, talk about their defensive line. And they had a really good running back in Mikhail Abdul-Sabor, um, who had some pro potential coming into the season and I really liked him I saw him versus Stony Brook and was impressed and then he gets hurt and then this guy steps in you know week four and starts tearing up defenses this Anderson and Anderson did a great job last year and it's one of those guys we spoke about in the beginning a guy that can step in may not have been the starter to begin the season but did his job well enough to where he made it on our list 13 still a great honor but he's definitely worthy of it and last but not least Mr. Leonard Tillery, Leonard Tillery, or Leonard Tillery out of Southern. I was going to say the name, but I couldn't pronounce it. So well, I was like, you know, I'll just throw it to you. Well, <laughs> Tillery is good, and, and Tillery has a great story because he was a former walk-on at Southern, started as a freshman, and got better each and every year, and now he finds himself third-team All-American. I mean, he has made himself into a legit pro prospect. Um, he's playing in a very good conference that's known for passing the football, so anytime you can do damage on the ground, you, you, have, you have made your mark. And teams know Southern Southern has a well-balanced attack. They can throw the football anywhere on the field, but Tillery is, is the straw that serves their drink, and he's a guy that is probably going to go over another 1,200 yards uh, this year for the Jaguars. You love to hear stuff like that. Senior now on the FCS preseason All-American list, and there's a guy who, like you said, a walk-on, what, four or five years ago. Now moving on to the fullbacks, the, uh, you know, the glorified big back that nobody cares about, nobody talks about, kind of lost, kind of a lost art in the NFL. You still see him hang around in college. Uh, we'll start off with the first team fullback. And Tyler Renew out of the Citadel. He, here's, a, here's another a player we talked about before, a guy at 5'11", 5'10", 217, and, and was a big reason why they knocked off South Carolina. So first of all, the Citadel has been – an okay program for a long time. They just got to the playoffs for the first time in 22 years last season because of a guy like Renew and what he brings to the table. They run that triple option offense. They knocked off an SEC opponent last year, and Renew was a big reason why. He ran for over 170 yards against South Carolina, and, and teams don't rush the football like that against South Carolina because they're very good within their front seven, and Renew was by far had the most votes from our staff to be the first-team All-American fullback. Awesome. Moving on to the second team. Well, I mean, Joe Prothero out of Cal Poly. Another, here's the theme you're going to see with the first team and the second team, guys. Um, triple option offenses. And Cal Poly is out there on the West Coast, and teams in the Big Sky Conference year in, year out have problems stopping Cal Poly. And when they have a good quarterback, they're tougher to, to defend. 
Um, but Prothero is a bigger back, six feet two thirty, um, and has that breakaway speed. And, and not only does he have the breakaway speed, but he has the power to really wear you down defensively. And so you combine that with the speed to take it the distance. There's no doubt that uh, he is an All-American. And Brady Tibbetts, the third-team All-American, he's more of your traditional fullback in the sense that Illinois State runs the football very well. And so when you look at uh, how he's able to run the football and how he's able, how they're able to run the football and how they're able to block, um, you have to look at their fullback because they use him like you would see a, a team utilize their fullback. Traditionally in the backfield, they may be flex him out, motion him out a little bit, but he's going to seal the edge and allow a guy that now plays for the New York Giants and Marshawn Coprich get yards. And he was able to rush for 2,000 yards as a junior. Last year, he went over 1,900 yards. So he's not able to do that, I don't think, if Tibbetts isn't clearing the way. And we got to catch up a little time already. We're about 10 minutes further than we thought we would be. So we'll combine it real quick. Running backs and fullbacks to miss the cut. Well, number one, you look at uh, Randolph, John Randolph. I'm sorry, Jalen Randolph out of Delaware. 6'1", 230, traditional tailback. Um, and Delaware, right now, with guys getting healthy, they're four deep at, in the backfield. So we'll talk about them in the CAA preview next week that this is a team that could be a sleeper, but the Blue Hens have a tremendous tailback in Randolph. He's one guy that, that missed the cut. Darius Victor out of Towson. I like his game. I think he's more like Ray Rice. He's 5'8", 210, explosive. He's running behind a dynamic in Maryland. Offensive line. In Maryland, <laughs> Mar right? So, Maryland needed another Ray Rice. <laughs> exactly. You know. And so I mean, when you look at when you look at his game, and he was a, I think he was a better running back prospect than the guy that got drafted and now plays for, uh, I want to say plays for the Baltimore Ravens and Terrence um, West, who went to Towson, ran for all those yards, then got drafted by the Browns and found his way with the Titans, and now he's in. Baltimore, so it's all it's all big. It's a it's, gigantic it's, triangle. Exactly, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a big triangle right there. But Victor's a guy that just missed the cut. And uh, fullback, do we do fullbacks that missed the cut? Oh, uh, there are. I mean, that's the, the only three fullbacks in the country yeah. right now. Uh, these <laughs> guys right here, but uh, there's no fullbacks that sign missed up to the be cut. a fullback. You can make if, if we add a, if we added a fourth team and you sign up to be a fullback. You know you what? Let, let's <laughs> let's add a fullback. Let's add uh, whoever's blocking for for King Fraser out in North Dakota State, the the outstanding tailback. And we know they use a fullback. So whoever the fullback is going to be this year is going to be a guy that's probably going to be on this list. So that, there's your fullback that missed the cut. <laughs> if your dream was to be a football game plan All-American, I would say just suit up as a, as a fullback right now. And you'll, you'll pretty much <laughs> – you don't need to do much. You'll sneak right onto the list. You're really not that far <laughs> off. But uh, maybe the most competitive and the toughest uh, list to get on, would I have, I'd probably have to say – the wide receiver list. You look in the NFL, the wide receiver position is probably the deepest. Almost, it seems like every team has a star receiver. Right. I mean, getting 1,000 yards used to be somewhat of an accomplishment in the NFL. It seems almost basic now. You have, you have pro, ball, uh, pro bowlers that, uh, that are missing the pro ball cut, and they're well over 1,000, 1,100 yards. You see so many guys. Um, and, it's a, and it's something my dad always says, they're the greatest athletes in the world doing something that anybody could do. They're going up, and they're catching footballs. Uh, they usually have a six – uh, five six inch difference over the mm -hmm. over the over the five eight five nine corner that's trying to cover them. So uh, let's get right into it. The wide receiver All American list. We'll start off with the first teamers. Well, Cooper Cup is a guy that that won. He also won. Now here's a unique player because he's he's won the Jerry Rice Award, uh, top freshman in the FCS. And he also last year won the Walter Payton Award, which is the FCS Heisman Trophy. And here's a, a receiver playing in Eastern Washington. He burst onto the scene as a freshman with over 1,500 yards. They could not cover this guy um, as a freshman. You thought, okay, well, maybe they, they'll be able to better lock him up or bracket him in, in his sophomore season over 1,500 yards. He actually has a chance this year, if he just has a season like he's had the last three years, he'll set the all-time receiving record, yardage, receptions, and touchdowns, passing Jerry Rice. So, right, so this is a guy that he's going to be probably the top FCS pro prospect offensively because of his consistency. He tore up Oregon last year when they played their former teammate in Vernon Adams, uh, who's now with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, but Cooper Cup is going to – now, how productive has he been, again, to pass Jerry Rice, who had set that record back in the early 80s at Mississippi Valley State? Um, and here's he's going to suffer the same fate – as Kate Harrington. They're going to create ways to knock him because he's white, 
Is he playing the slot though? See, but that's, that's, get away. Right. But, but, but that's the, the thing. First, that's the the first, thing. When I saw his picture, the first thing I thought of, and he only being 6'1", 195, I was like, does he play in the slot? See, and that, see that's Because he could get away with it. He, if he's but in the he slot. plays, he, he, I think he can play on the slot, but the way he's able to run routes, he's great on the outside. So if teams are not stupid and not looking at this guy in a prejudiced way, they're going to find a really good wide receiver that can play all three wide receiver spots. He's by far the first team all he was a consensus first team all american yeah when you think of him you always think you always think slot receiver you always think Wes welker you always think uh, julian edelman you always think slot receivers moving on first team well staying with the first team uh, all americans well jake winicky out of uh south dakota state he's 6 4 210 and it was funny about south dakota state they have a really good quarterback in zach lugin um but when you look at their offense they are run-based offense they they they're they're decent throwing the football, and they have legit one option, and that one option is Winicky. And teams know that going into the game, hey, if we stop Winicky, we can make South Dakota State one dimensional, and they can't stop Winicky. You know, Winicky who went over fourteen hundred <laughs> yards the last two seasons, so that tells you a little bit about his game. When teams have that target on your back, and you're still able to be productive, it says a lot about your game. At six four two ten, um, looking. Actually, we got we got a couple of big third teamers, but uh, moving on to the second team. Well, Brian Brown, um, and, and Richmond's offense is explosive, and here's one of those situations where someone could knock Brown and say, "Well, he plays in that offense where three other receivers are really good." Well, you can't knock him for being the best out the three and also being one of the best in the country. I mean, if we were going with a three wide receiver set on the first team, he would be a first team All American. So he put up great numbers. He's a great explosive player. And you can say the same thing about the the uh, other second-team All-American and Anthony Warham out of Illinois State. And Warham is an interesting guy because he waited his turn. You know, he did. He rarely played his first two seasons at Illinois State. I mean, they had a great tight end who now plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. They had a great running back um, in Marshawn Copers, great quarterback in Trey Roberson. So they had other options offensively. Bought his time, got better and burst onto the scene last year as a junior and just put up crazy numbers, finished fourth in the in the country in receiving. So those are your two second-team All-Americans, the two guys that can really get the job done deep down the field. And we'll go there again with, with guys who kind of get some slack for playing with other great players. Mm-hmm. Like, just because Brian Brown plays with two other great receivers, why should he take any slack for that? Why should his value and his market go down because he's playing with two other great receivers i mean we don't talk about antonio brown we don't pull him back because he plays <laughs> with with other great receivers right. in a great offensive system with great backs and a great quarterback so uh that's another thing i, I mean look at, sense to me. look at the giants receiving core you got victor cruz you have odell beckham they drafted sterling shepherd and all three guys can legit work their way into a 13 to 1400 yard season but are you going to knock those guys? No, because you know individually each one of those players are outstanding, and that's the difference. Only Victor Cruz get on the field. Well, well if healthy. It's been like, what's it been, 16 months? 16 months. We'll see. We'll see. Months. They're at minicamp now, so we'll see. Hopefully the best for the uh, Patterson native. Uh, 13 All-Americans. Uh, Emmanuel Butler, the favorite target of Case Cookus, the first-team All-American. Um, 6'3", 2'10". He's a big-bodied receiver that's able to go up and make those those tough catches. And I, I like the the guy out of Penn, another Ivy League program that has been consistent. Now, Justin Watson, 6'3", 2'10", former track all-star in high school. Last year was a big reason why they knocked off Villanova. Now, he, now the, the interesting part is that they, they played Villanova. They've played Villanova for a long time. The last game they won versus Villanova was in 1920, something like that. It was 1909. It had been 100-something years, and he Jeez. finally <laughs> beat them last year. Watson had a tremendous first half. Didn't play the second half because uh, he was injured. But when you watch him play, he's explosive. He caught for over he, – he had over 150 yards receiving versus Harvard last year, and Harvard had the best defense in the Ivy League or one of the best defenses, and they were one of the top teams in the country. He also rushed for 100 yards in that game too. Uh, on end of rounds and had a 76-yard touchdown run. So Watson, I think, is going to be uh, – he's going to take that that uh, Cooper Cup leap this year and is going to be talked about as a guy for the 2018 uh, NFL draft. He's a tremendous player. Moving on to uh, wide receivers that missed the cut. 
Just missed the cut. Oh, yo, this is this was probably the t- I wrote I wrote guys' names down. This is probably the toughest we had to do because yeah. you have Colin Shaw out of Cornell. I thought played well. A couple of Ivy League guys. Colin Shaw out of Cornell, big time wide receiver. Alex Jet. And when you have a name last name by the name of Jet. You, you have to be fast, right? Yeah, you, I don't think it's possible to not be fast. Right. You can't be a, a slow guy with the last name Jet. So he played well last year for Brown. Um, and Willie Young out of Arkansas Pine Bluff, another guy that we'll talk about later in the, in the, the show. But he, he was a tremendous player last year. Uh, those three guys or the next three in line that just missed the cut. Well, then moving on to the – we in time for a break. We'll go uh, – we'll keep going. Moving on to the uh, All-American tight end list. Well, when you look at the tight ends, you got, and this is a, one of those unique positions because we've known the tight end position to be guys that can be in line, they're blocking, things like that. But Jordan Powell is one of those move tight ends. He could play in line, he could play out wide. Um, he's a big part of their offense at New Hampshire, and he was a no brainer first team. Derek Griffin. And here's the thing let me clear the air first of all because we got an email from the, the Southwestern, Southwestern Athletic Conference commissioner um, thanking us for our All American team. But he was like, hey, Derek Griffin is a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. Well, yes, he's listed as a wide receiver, but he's utilized as a pseudo tight end. And at 6'7, 230, he's probably not going to play. Yeah, I thought numbers. <laughs> right. You know, he's probably going to be an inside receiver as a pro. But the unique part about this game, I'm just jobbing with, um, with the commission. He did a great job responding and it took it all in stride. But um, when you look at Griffin, he also played, he starred on Texas Southern's basketball team. So that's the first thing I thought when I saw six seven two thirty, I was thinking basketball. Got to be a right? converted basketball. Player. Well, he played last year in the tournament. You know, they made a tournament last year. Um, played well, and then also now he was a, he was a high school all American. Still receiver. playing both. Still playing both. And so when you look at it, and he had fourteen touchdowns last year. So with you know six hundred yards receiving, that's tight end numbers. So you add him on his list as a tight end, he makes it as a second team. He's going to be a pro player, an NFL player uh, moving forward. And, and you look at Dallas Godert, the second option for South Dakota State, another guy that, that teams come in knowing that this is a piece of their passing game and they were able to slow him down too. So those are your, your three All-Americans on his list. Yeah, when you look at a guy like, like Derek Griffin at 6'7", 230, and you think basketball, you think tweener because you got guys like LeBron at 6'8", and he's 250, and he could bring up the basketball. He could play the 1 through 5. Draymond Green's exactly 6'7", 230, same size as Derek Griffin could do anything on the basketball court. Another 1 through 5, Paul George, Kevin Durant, these guys in this size range of a Derek Griffin can do so much on the basketball court. You're a six seven guy that can't play at the top of the key and you're only a small forward and you're a prototypical small forward and you have big man skills and you don't have the guard skills that these guys possess nowadays and you can't play anywhere on the basketball court. You really, you, there's no place for you at the next level and you see so many guys in that size range. You, not usually six seven though, usually in the six five six six range. Uh, guys like Antonio Gates and a lot of these converted Jimmy Graham, converted basketball players to football players at the next level. The Colts got like seven of them. Ryan Gritchen, everything's a gamble. He Every single year, he takes the last three to five picks of the draft and just <laughs> creates projects. He right. drafts guys and he finds guys from other countries and you know everything is rugby players and basketball players and everything's about conversion. Eric Swoop and guys like this. And uh, you see it a lot. And you know, they're 50-50 pan outs. A lot of times they do pan out. You look at you look at a couple of the tight ends in the league over the last couple of years. You have a hundred touchdown guy mm-hmm. in uh, Gates, who's a, a, you know a first ballot Hall of Famer, converted basketball player to football player, and and that's where if you're a tweener and you're caught at a bad size, you move over to football. All of a sudden, you're the biggest tight end in the league. Well, and, and you also consider say for, same the, say the same thing for bad tight ends. If you're yeah. a tight end that can't play or yeah. can't really catch, <laughs> move over to linebacker. Move or move the tackle. <laughs> or move the tackle because you got the footwork. And you see that a lot. Guys that were former college tight ends, like Jason Peters that plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, tight end at Arkansas, all-pro offensive tackle uh, in his career. A lot of guys make that switch. So, it, it, you're right. It goes hand-in-hand. Hand. I mean, if you're if – you're, we've seen Draymond Green, though, play football. We, they, yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was bad. We saw him play football yeah, at, we, uh, at Michigan State. Yeah, that was terrible. But, uh, guys, if you're – listen, if you're, if you're a tight end out there and you're buried on a depth chart, go talk to the coach. See if you can move to the offensive tackle and watch your, your career just flourish. Yeah, I, I had a friend in high school, Vernon. He was, he was a tight end, didn't have the greatest hands in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never wanted to tell him this. I knew it. I noticed it. And I was like, okay, you know. But you were a good friend, though. You let him know that he I trashed. Did, I, <laughs> I didn't. I was a freshman. I, we were both freshmen at the time. We are both playing on the freshman team. I didn't want to tell this kid he couldn't catch. Meanwhile, I was, I was covering him a little bit in practice. You know, I wasn't 
you know, it wasn't the end of the world that if this kid were to beat me, he were to drop the ball, it wouldn't look as bad. Right. Uh, so, uh, and then, of course, down the road, he eventually makes the move to linebacker, and he becomes a, uh, a New Jersey All-State linebacker by his junior and senior year. So, so you helped him out, man, and, and that's, a, that's the mark of a good friend. If I'm out there being trash, don't <laughs> come out and tell me, like, hey, man, nah, you did great. No, tell me I'm, I'm trash. Like, a lot be of honest told, with me. A lot of people told him. <laughs> be honest with me. A lot, you of, know? Pe- a lot of people told him. <laughs> if you suck, it, it, like, friends can be your best, your best critics because you know it's coming from the heart. And if mm-hmm. they tell you you suck or you trash <laughs> or you garbage, you got to take that to heart, man. Like, you know, you really got to listen to them. They, they may not have the best filter, but – they, they're telling you the truth. And they'll tell it how it is. And they'll, right. they'll say it real. And there won't be any, like, you know. They're not going to come and put your arm around. Hey, man, nah, you, you're kind of trash. You know, you kind of, you, you kind of, no, they're going to tell you flat out, man, you, you, you stink. Yeah, and, and that's what you need sometimes <laughs> as uh, we're going uh, tight ends that miss the cut. Well, it's not really too many tight ends that miss the cut. Maybe the one tight end that I'm looking forward to seeing this year is Faison Odom out of Fordham, 6'8", a former basketball player, 6'8", 245. He, six, eight. <laughs> yeah, 6'8", and it, he gave Army problems. Um, and he was still getting used to the football aspect of his game. So I would expect this year he's going to put up phenomenal numbers and be a guy that's on his list. Yeah, and when you look 6'8", now you would have to be a really bad athlete for me not to want you on my team because you get a 6'8", 6'9", converted basketball player that couldn't make at the next level in basketball, and you just get him for goal line situations where you have to throw it up to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense to me why you don't see more of those out there like I always thought the same thing like why don't you see more of these 611 guys that don't make in the NBA why don't you see them more in special teams in the NFL for like I don't know kick block yeah or something kick like that. block extra point well, block in in the hood we call that big for nothing yeah well, you know like uh, it's big it's for a, nothing yeah. like it's, a, it's sometimes, a tremendous uh, yeah I right, heard that phrase a thousand tall, times but you may be tall for nothing you know like you can't do nothing you can't shoot a basketball you can't dunk you can't you can't do nothing you big for nothing. You really just serve no purpose. You're just a body. You're just, like, you're you're just, just gigantic for no reason. If I were you, I'd probably go get surgery to shrink, you know, because <laughs> you can't do nothing at this height. Can't fit in my car. <laughs> right. and I, I can't I can't perform on the field you of the court. You look stupid and so you put a suit on, you still look whack. All that <laughs> stuff you can't do when you're you too big. <laughs> right. When you big for nothing. So, uh, What about the overall state of the, uh, the, of the uh, tight end position at the moment? Well, I, I think the tight end position, like we talked about it, guys that are, are move tight ends, guys that have uh, had success. Um, you know, playing as bigger wide receivers like a Derek Griffin. Um, so you'll see that a lot. You Going on the guys that can play with their hand in the ground because the NFL, technically, they don't use guys like that anymore. So if you can't play with your hand off the ground, flex out wide, you don't have really too much value. So you've seen a lot of – you've seen that at the collegiate level, guys are more angle blocker, position blockers, uh, receive bigger receivers. Um, like a guy like yeah. Marcus Colson would have been uh, – he's classic – classified as a as a tight end nowadays you know because of how he played inside and things like that so well and the thing is nowadays just scoring being so important in the nfl and you don't really see tight ends blocked the way they used to you see a lot of pass getting tight ends you see tight ends now around 800 yards and it's more it's more normal usually that was a pro ball season for a wide receiver now you got you got three four five six seven tight ends all now range in the nfl and as a Cole fan, I don't know the last time. Well, I know for I know for sure I've never seen Kobe Fleener ever right. put his hand in the ground. I don't think the guy's thrown a block in his three years in Indianapolis <laughs> or four years, excuse me, in Indianapolis. I'm not gonna miss him as he might be. Uh, you know, he'll be he'll be uh, down in New Orleans now. But um, same thing with Dwayne Allen. Guy never throws a block. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they say they say the reason the Colts kept him around is because he was a better blocker. Neither guy's blocked. I don't I don't want either guy. I don't want either guy around. I want Jack Doyle to be my starting tight end. He's the only guy that throws a block. Uh, so the the position has changed so much. It's a glorified big receiver mm-hmm. that just lines up on the line once in a while to throw a chip, uh, you know, a little cheap chip block. But you don't see tight ends on the line anymore as a sixth offensive lineman. It's just, it's just uh, you know, it's not what it used to be. And you have these bigger, better, more coordinated athletes playing the tight end position mm-hmm. that a couple years ago might have been a tackle or they might have been receiver or they might have been somewhere else on the field. But now, you know, the tight end. And you could I look at Anthony Gonzalez as really the the guy who who changed the changed the position, he was kind of the uh, what would you call? He that? was a like, prototype. I mean, he was a basketball prototype. player. He, you know, played the you know played college football as well. The high level was an All American. So, I mean, he was what everybody thought. Everybody now expected a tight end to be Tony Gonzalez, but you know, it, it's that's not they're not all Tony. That's why he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, first ballot exactly without a doubt. Same thing with same thing with guys like Gates. Guys like Gronk. Moving mm-hmm. on 
to the big uglies, the guys up front, the guys who don't get enough credit, especially on lists like this. Everybody cares about the quarterback, the running back, the receiver, the flashy, the playmakers, the guys who wear their jersey. But the offensive linemen, so important, so valuable to a team. Well, let's start off with the first team uh, offensive line All-Americans. Well, first team offensive line All-Americans, and one guy in particular I like, uh, we're fixing this camera here for, for the fans out there on Facebook, reading your questions and getting your comments. Um, but the first guy I like to talk about is... Uh, Julian Davenport out of Bucknell. And the good thing about Bucknell is that they're they're a team that's on the rise. And now they see the top of my head. But, but, <laughs> but Bucknell, they're going to have to deal with this angle. But Bucknell is a team that um, has gotten better every year. And I like Joe Susan, the head coach there. Talk with him this summer. Um, and he talks glowingly about Julian Davenport, 6'6", 300 pounds. Um, he's one that pro scouts have been eyeing for a while. So he's, he's going to be one of those offensive linemen that we'll see get drafted in the NFL. Same thing you can say about Corey Levin out of Chattanooga. Chattanooga may be the best team in the country right now, quietly. You know, I know North Dakota State, they won five straight championships, so you automatically assume they're going to be there as well. But the next team right under them might be Chattanooga and because they can run behind Corey Levin. Uh, Casey Dunn, Jacksonville State, if you have any success offensively, you look at your offensive line. They have three guys that could have been on this list, but uh, Dunn is by far the best. And Mitch Kirsch, of James Madison, another team that had explosive offensive output with two separate quarterbacks last year. He's a big reason why. And um, you go down to North Dakota State, we talked about it. First here was a guy uh, in Billy Turner, who now plays for the Dolphins. Last year, it was Joe Haig. Um, I, I want to say he got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and now you look at Zach Johnson. So North Dakota State is one of those programs that are churning out offensive linemen, and they have some good defensive players as well. Doesn't surprise me. I feel like Dakota would just have a lot of big people. <laughs> Doesn't it just seem like a place that would have a lot of big people? With like, like Minnesota beards? West. You know? Yeah, like Minnesota, <laughs> Dakota. Like Those kind of places just seem like a lot of big people, like lumberjack-type people mm -hmm. in the 6'4", 300-range would, uh, would be living. Uh, second team offensive line All-American. And, and a bunch of guys on this list that come from, you know, outstanding run games. I mean, Charleston Southern got far in the playoffs last year. Eric Austell. 63285 Brandon Parker from North Carolina A&T. Big reason why Tariq Cohen has a lot of success. Uh, 67280 and, and Kyle Abloy out of Illinois State. Uh, 65330 Jessamine Dunker. Tennessee State is a team that has routinely put an offensive lineman in the NFL uh, for the last four years. And because they're able to run, they run the football like no one else. I mean, they can run with double tight end sets and they're going to lean on you throughout the game. And Jessamine Dunker looks like the next in line. And Marcus Cook is a valuable, versatile asset that can play center and guard for Jackson State. Uh, third team All-Americans? Well, and on this side, you look at some guys from the Patriot League, and I, I'm a big fan of Zach Duffy. And Lehigh's offense is explosive. They're going to put up a lot of points this year. Um, Duffy is a right tackle that does a great job in pass pro. Um, you look at the SOCON, two, two teams that I think are very underrated in Sanford and Mercer. And when you look at Mercer, Brett, Nieder, Knee Deer Ether. Neither Ether. That's a tough name. It's a lot of letters, man. Um, so he's 6'3, 290. And Armando uh, Bonher pronounced that correctly as well from Sanford. So there are two guys from the SOCON. You also look at Lamar Brett Tretway. Um, and Western Illinois gets a guy on the list in Jacob Judd. Good stuff. Moving on to the all purpose players. The athletes do a little bit of everything. You see, uh, you know, one, two, three phases of the game. Guys who play multiple positions, the all-purpose FCS All-American first team, John Santiago. Well, John Santiago is uh, is one of those 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 players. He was a freshman last year and did everything for um, for North Dakota, the Fighting Eagles. Now, you know they they've changed their mascot. They were known as the Fighting Sioux. Voted, changed their name. Now they're the Fighting Eagles, um, and he was scoring touchdowns. He's a big reason why I think they're going to be a very good football team as a whole. As a freshman running back, doing damage as a kickoff returner, punt returner, receiver, runner, led the team, had over 1,300 yards rushing, so definitely an all-purpose player. Harold Cooper is a guy that I saw versus Brown. Um, I was at the Rhode Island-Brown game, which is called the Governor's Cup. I think Penn and Villanova played the Governor's Cup as well. Um, so I was up at Brown in Rhode Island, and Cooper – you know, just stole the show. He had a kickoff return where he just weaved. It was like a cartoon. Just weaved in and out of the, the, the kickoff coverage units of the Brown Bears. And he was a leading rusher. He deserves to be on this list. He got hurt later on in the season. 
And at 100%, at 5'9", 187, he's going to put up tremendous numbers this year. And Daquan Isom out of Southern Illinois, that's another football team I think is going to put up some some big numbers. They've had guys get drafted. You see a guy uh, that now plays for the Minnesota Vikings coming out of that program, the tight end, um, played on the East-West Shrine game. His name slips my mind right now. But uh, Southern Illinois also got, to good, got a good quarterback in Josh Strawn, transferred from Steelman, who shut down their football program uh, last year. Strong goes there. Strong is going to put up some huge numbers. He may be a postseason All-American. So those are my all-purpose guys. Guys, like you said, that can do it all on offense and also on special teams. Yeah, guys that play in two and sometimes even three. Sometimes once in a while. Very right. rare. Once in a while you see the three-phase guy, the guy like the uh, like, like a Jabril Peppers. And we move on now to the defensive line. Well, when you look at the D-line, and, and you got to always preface D-linemen with with uh, guys that can really affect the play. Can you stop the run? Can you get after the quarterback? And two guys in particular, I think, do that tremendously, and that's Keonta Davis out of Chattanooga. You see the common theme. It's the second Chattanooga guy on this list. P.J. Hall out of Sam Houston State. He was a freshman All-American, sophomore football game plan All-American. So this is the second time being on this list, um, 6'1", 280. Uh, out of Sam Houston State and two other guys and Derek Rivers, Youngstown State, real good program. We got Bo Pelini over there as the head coach now and, and Carter Schultz out of Northern Iowa. And Northern Iowa has been one of those consistent programs in the FCS for a long time. Moving on to the second team, DL. Now, looking at the second team, when you so I got a question from my man Chico Rodriguez and Chico uh, good friend of mine, Raging Cajuns. Even though this is an FCS show, we got to get the Raging Cajuns mentioned on this list. So shout out to the Raging Cajuns. He asked the question, how is McNeese going to do? And that headlines our second team All-American. I think McNeese is going to be fine, one of those premier programs. But Isaiah Golden at 6'2", 335, um, big defensive lineman. And McNeese has seemed to have grown to be known for their interior O-line and D-line play. So Golden is a guy that's going to have an outstanding year. He's a junior. Patrick Ricard out of Maine, um, the northernmost team in the FCS, and Ricard got he added forty pounds. So last year, so he both of two eighty five, you know, and he's strong at the point of attack. He's good. Pat Afrie, I saw, I did, I did the broadcast for Colgate um, Georgetown last year, and Colgate want uh, Georgetown wants to spread you out offensively, and Afrie had a field day, uh, making plays at or behind the line of scrimmage. He's a tremendous pass rusher. And Greg Menard, another front seven player from North Dakota State. Um, keep an eye on him this year as, again, another guy that can get to the quarterback and affect the play. Third team, DL? Well, third team, um, two guys I, I think in particular will stand out. Now, granted, you have Anthony Ellis out of Charleston Southern, um, another SoCon, and, and uh, Mac Marin out of Drake, a Pioneer League football team. Uh, two guys that were tremendous pass rushers. But when you look at Aaron Thompson out of Stony Brook, we've seen Stony Brook pump out defensive line talent. Last year it was Victor Ochi. This year it's going to be Aaron Thompson. Next year it's going to probably be Osamane Kamara, um, a defensive lineman, a defensive tackle. So Thompson can get to the quarterback. He's going to be the next in line coming out that program. And Abdullah Anderson, write this name down, fans, as, as a guy that's going to be a pro prospect. Coach Joe Susan spoke highly of Anderson. Anderson, as a junior, already has pro prospects, uh, pro scouts looking at him. 6'4", 295, um, was a, a All-American as a freshman, All-Conference as a freshman, you know, and got better last year, was an All-American as well, two-time All-Conference player. And now as a junior, is just primed for another breakout season because, again, he can affect the play from the inside. And this guy can play defensive tackle. He can line up outside as a defensive end. And he's equally as effective. So those are your third team All-Americans. Awesome. Moving on to the linebackers. Only got about like two minutes. I don't know if we can go over, but we got two minutes left. Well, so. let's let's we'll we'll say we'll save the linebackers and defensive backs and specialists for next week's show. All right. uh, as we break down the conference. Um, I know we went a little bit over for these positions, but that's what happens when you're talking football, man, and, and talking about these these All-American teams. You want to make sure everyone gets mentioned and gets their proper due. So yeah. you know we'll we'll hold off on linebackers and guys can go check out the. The, the uh, All-American video on our website at footballgameplan.com slash FCS kickoff. We have the video posted, and, you know, we'll just go back in more detail next week. All right, sounds good. Yeah, uh, you know, you want to give all these guys the credit they deserve. No reason to rush through half the list. Right. We're going through 40 athletes in the last two minutes of a show. So we'll hold that off till next week, Friday, 10 a.m., right here. Luke Diamond with em Emery Hunt. 
the czar of the playbook. Man, you got it right, the man. Czar. You you see, you got it right. I crossed it all. I crossed over your right. I just wrote Z A R. Oh, there is you that, go. Is that how it's spelled? Phonetically. That's that's, that's well, I, I've seen it spelled um multiple ways. But you know, you you're probably the first to put Z A R. But it it what works. Czar. It, it it works. I feel like it would be just be easy to read. But see I, I put it there the the proper way because I didn't want you to walk around here, you know, in, in Jersey and in New York City, you know, thinking you're spelling czar the wrong way. I, I, I want to set you up for success. I don't even know what letter you put, honestly. It looked, <laughs> it looked like you put C Z A R. C Z A R. Oh, that is. How that you, is. Oh, so it was a C. Yeah. So what good, you thought it was? I didn't know. I, <laughs> I had no idea. I at first, I don't know. I thought you just. I didn't. I didn't even know what it was. But all right, Czar with a silent C. Hey, you know, I'm big on. Hey, I'm I'm with you. I know you. I know your thought process is. If it's silent, why put it there? That's what I hate. I, 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 I hate it. There's like, so many stuff like that. Like with like even my name, L U K E. Like I don't need the E. It's right, silent. It's Luke, like Luke. Right. Exactly. L U K. L U C. I don't care how you spell it. As long as as long as if you know, it's, it's silent, pronounced. don't put it there. Exactly. And we have so many like letters like that in the in the English like language where it's like it's just like a waste of time and you know stuff like that. Well, like, why not just spell phony F O N E Y phony. I just well, I, that, the, another thing I never understood, the, the PH and the F. Right. Why have the PH make the F sound? It should make the p f p. Right, like, exactly. I don't, I don't, like, F should make the F sound. Because it does, yeah. It, right, but I'm with you. For some reason, it doesn't make sense. If I were you, I'd start spelling phony F-O-N-E-Y. You should make like an alphabet game plan where the <laughs> alphabet makes sense. <laughs> right. Because We're going to slice some alphabet. <laughs> no one uses Q. So I mean, we could we could il- totally eliminate Q. You get rid of Z. Q. You can get you can rid of a lot of things. We you can't can, get rid of Z, or you can't say Czar. You can say Czar. Czar. It would actually turn into car with the with the silent C would actually have to be said. Well, see, that's the thing. It's all about consolidation. You can consolidate these alphabets. Twenty six is way too many. That is true. Even though I think some languages have more than twenty six. That see, that's that's overdoing it. You know what I'm saying? There, there's a link. There's a letter I think in Spanish, and it's like the ch is like combined into like one like like big letter. Like, see, nah. See, that, I'm see, like I'm like 90 sure that's like that's a thing. Under an Emory Hunt administration, alphabets will be only. We probably only have 13 letters. You know, we 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 may even expand some states or may cut some states down. You know, so if you're a state that's on the bubble, you better shape up. New Jersey might be on the bubble, so I'm actually. A I like fr- Jersey. Jersey. I like Jersey. I like too. Jersey. Jersey. Jersey might become the capital. Well, people people make fun of Jersey, and people are like, and I know you're not from the area. I think Jersey's a phenomenal state. It's the only state I ever lived in. But I'm like, I live in a place where I live two houses away from a bus stop to New York City, greatest city in the earth, greatest city on earth, like people always say. Second I, to New Orleans. But go ahead. All right. <laughs> I live, you know, a half hour from from the closest beach. You live. I don't know, a half hour from the closest mountain. So I have mountain. You have mountains where you go, like, I don't know, mountain hiking or something. You could go You could go to New York City. You could go to the beach. And all this stuff is so central to my house. Mm-hmm. So I live in New Jersey, and people always call it the armpit. I say New Jersey is a beautiful armpit. It's an armpit with, like, I don't know, like a Victoria's Secret model armpit. It's, like, the best armpit you could possibly live in. And people always make fun of it, and people on TV make fun of it. I'm like, I love New Jersey. And, you know. I hope that's not one of the states you eliminate. Also, under an Emory Hunt administration, New Orleans would become a state in itself. So it would be the state of New Orleans. State of New Orleans. And then Louisiana. Or like the district of, of New Columbia Orleans. kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. That does make sense. Makes would you sense. be the president? Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, with all the knowledge you have of, of the SCS, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I still got room to grow. But, you know, this was a great first show. And well, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and we will be back next week. It know? was tough for me to go an hour not talking basketball. You know, I even oh, tried. You, to, you 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 threw it in there. I tried you to interject it. it. Actually, it. I think I interjected in like the first ten seconds when I right. said we went on without practice. I threw a little AI in there. Exactly. Then you actually mentioned Allen Iverson later on when we were talking about quarterbacks and how he could have been a dual threat at the next level. That's me reining you in. Yeah, see, you, you, hooked, you hooked me in right there. <laughs> right. Then I, all of a sudden I was a fan of the show. I was a fan right away. Then we got into the tight ends and we saw a 6'7", you know, 230. Had mm-hmm. to throw Draymond Green, LeBron, Paul George, I Kawhi. So I, I'm I was with like, you. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but uh, if you guys want to hear more basketball, I'll be back on in a couple hours, 3.05 to 5 o'clock. Uh, talking, talking basketball, previewing Game 7, wrapping up Game 6 from last night. LeBron back-to-back 41-point games. So by far the best player on earth. It's not even close. But Embry, thanks for this. This was a great opportunity, great show. I, I thought we had a good first show. Uh, so Luke Diamond and Embry Hunt, the czar of the playbook. Follow him at F, uh, F-Ball Game Plan. Follow him at the FCS Kickoff. Follow this show at FCS Opening Drive. Follow me at Huddle underscore Radio. Until next week, we'll be back next week at uh, 10 o'clock.
doing uh what do we have do we have uh do we finish off with linebackers we got linebackers uh, we dbs got lineback- second uh, uh dbs specialists and um we're also going to talk nfl draft prospects awesome sounds good so we got all that stuff coming up next week and we'll be taking tell more uh telephone calls as we pick up viewers and stuff like that uh we'll pick up more listeners we'll try to get some more telephone calls in uh next week so we'll be back next friday at 10 o'clock Going the length of the field to set the stage for this weekend in the FCS, it's FootballGamePlan.com's FCS Opening Drive with Luke Diamond and Emery Hunt. Presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting.